so took a little time off to let the season build a bit because you know it's still early, barely what ten games in, ten games in. You know, we want to let some of the label network mates come out and you know get a little work off themselves. Shout out to Omar, piece piece after piece after piece every week. Shout out to Nick Andre, host of For the Love of the Game. All been holding it down, but we are back. We are the Hoopers. I'm John W. Fresh X. I want to start somewhere. We probably the player we probably would start with the team we probably wouldn't mention in the beginning of the episode. They did you know throughout the episode, but that's the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I want to say shout out to them first because as of now they have the number one defense in the NBA. Um, and of course that's led by Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards. Shout out to Car Anthony Towns for understanding what his role is on the team and accepting that. Shout out to Mike Conley. I don't know if it's changed, but he hasn't had a turnover since the first game of the season. Mm. I think he had one, I think the last time I saw him, he was at like 18 assists, one turnover. Um, but I wanted to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves first because I had a thought earlier this morning as I, I went back and watched the Golden State highlights because I w- wanted to see him real quick. But Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels, are the real Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen 2.0. Not Kawhi and Paul George, shout out to them. Not Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, shout out to them. Um, DeMar, Zach Levine, no. And I say that because with Anthony Edwards, excuse me, I don't think people people speak on it, but I don't think a lot of people speak on it. The same way now we're at this point where Jordan's defense was overrated, even though y'all need to stop that shit because it wasn't. Anthony Edwards is a great, he's a good defensive player. A lot of nights he does guard one of the, if not the best, the second best offensive player. Like last night he was guarding Andrew Wiggins while Jamie McDaniels took a lot of the Clay Thompson um, responsibilities. Of course, we know what Anthony Edwards is as a scorer. I think the 6-0 and over the last six, he's averaging close to 30. And then if you look at Jaden McDaniels in that Scottie Pippen role, I think Jaden McDaniels, those players that you like that aren't necessarily – he isn't a knockdown shooter and he understands that, so he knows – let me just not just be on the wing where I'm you know, not probably going to be a net positive for real, but he uses his length and his athletic skills, Pauls, to get to the rim off the dribble. All-world defender. I can see for the rest of his career maybe being all defense, first, second team, either or, maybe even fighting for a defensive player of the year. But that combination is kind of what leads Minnesota. Like I say, we've been saying it. A few other people we know have been saying it. But Anthony Edwards is their clear number one. When the ball is going through him, Scoring, playmaking, however they're gonna start it. Like I said, they, that's usually when they're at their best. They're six and on that right now. In his last six game span, where I think like he's cl- averaging close to thirty. Carthy Towns is understanding that. And when I say that about Anthony Edwards and Jay McDaniels, you understand where I'm coming from with that, like because of course you know Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, where both of them are good defensive players, where they're both high level scorers, where they could separately probably lead their own team to conference finals. Um, Hey, Paul George, Kawhi, we know that combination, what they've done in their singular solo careers. But I think I just think Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels fit that mold a little bit better because we know who the clear-cut number one is on that team. That's, two. that's a perfect segue because that's actually where I was going to start with it. Uh, theoretically, Kawhi and Paul George, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they seem like that because you're just going to – it's a wing, being led by a mm-hmm. wing tandem. But unless you're delusional, <laughs> you can actually make arguments about who is the better player in those situations. It's probably Kawhi. It's probably Jason Tatum. It's probably DeMar. But it's some people that can say Jalen Brown. There's some people that can say Zach. There's some people that say Paul George. You got to be delusional to think that Scottie Pippen was ever better than Jordan at any point in his career. It was clear that Jordan was their best player. It was clear that they were going through him offensively. And you could definitely see Jaden, you know, at the beginning point of it. Because, obviously, Minnesota still has Cat and Cat's averaging 21. So, you know, he's going to get that offense um, or whatever. But as far as going through them, causing some trouble on the wing defensively, out in transition, um, being, you know, getting points in transition and stuff like that. They definitely could fit the mold in. I mean, Ant, like you said, he's taking the next step this year. He's 28.5 so far on the season. Minnesota's 7-2. and two. Their defense is number one. And it was lazy because I saw some. This is why I hate awards early in the year. But, like, maybe two or three games ago, um, 
maybe about I say about a week ago, uh, I was seeing like people was like Rudy Gobert's the leading candidate for defensive player of the year, and that's like so lazy because they're first in defense. You think it's because it's Rudy Gobert, which he does, unless something's changed the last couple of days. He does lead the league in rebounding, um, or whatever. But their defense, he he plays his part defensively. But as you said, Anthony Edwards has been he's been playing really well on defense this, this year. Jaden has been really good on defense, and it was lazy just to put it on Rudy, right? Because um, he he is controlling the paint, yeah, sure. but. There's a reason to why that's happening, how they're funneling people to that's there, the which starts with the wings or whatever. But it's definitely a lot is being led by by Anthony Edwards. Uh, like I said, I don't do none of the award, all NBAs nah, and none of stuff ain't. like that. I don't care about none of that. But he is putting himself in position where if he keeps rolling like this, you're going to have to have him in that conversation at the end of the year. All-star for sure. Like we could talk all-star. It's nine games, all-stars in a couple months. We could talk all-star. I ain't ready to talk no other award. You, you already know. Yeah, but uh, – it's good. It was, it's funny because you see, I find it real interesting. You know, I'm real heavy, and we can segue to something else out of this, but I find it, I'm, you know, I'm heavy on the, the summer basketball competing and how mm-hmm. that leads to you playing well, especially for those kind of guys. <laughs> but it's been funny yeah. because it's been a mix of those guys not playing great, the ones who I didn't really think should be on the team. I ain't going to call out nobody's names. I ain't trying to call nobody out. But the, the role players aren't playing as great. But you see how Adam is hooping. Halliburton is averaging 23 and like 12 right now. The star guys, they feed off of that type of stuff. And some of the other guys are kind of struggling because they're tired and et cetera, et cetera. But um, you you definitely see it. And, and, and with him doing on that team, taking that clear, because Cat has been there, so it's kind of hard to just take over. No, nah, yeah, for sure. But when I mean, it's undeniable, it's undeniable. And I think Ann's just there as a leader and the way he empowers his teammates, I think just helps it even more. Nah, for sure. And um, I want to go back to Jaden McDaniels real quick because I know one thing you're always big about, especially on wing players, if you're not going to knock down all your you know three-pointers, your jump shots, you have to be able to attack off the defense to create pressure. And that relieves, you know, that makes Cat's job easier as a scorer. That makes Anthony Edwards' job easier as a scorer. And Jaden McDaniels, who I'm pretty sure they're hoping he still develops into a consistent league average shooter at the minimum from the three-point line. But – He's putting pressure at the rim. Like maybe his playmaking comes before his shooting because of that. He's you know he plays with the ball and handle a lot of attacking the rim. So getting out and fast break on those transitions. But do you think that's what helps a lot of that as well? Like Jaden McDaniels not being timid or you know he you know he's no he's not the best shooter. So it's like all right, let me at least attack and put pressure on the rim for real. Right, not being a good shooter is like such a it's just an excuse to me honestly to. Not even go all analytics. Like, if you can hoop, you can hoop. Like, you're going to figure out ways. It, you can't take hoopers off the court. I don't care what excuse people giving you about defense. You can't shoot because you're just going to find ways to be effective. If you lack defensively at times, you're going to find ways to be an impact player defensively when need to be. It, it could just be one play. If you aren't the shooter, you know how to play in transition to get buckets. You're going to know how to attack the basket and cut to keep yourself involved in the game because – yeah, they could sleep on you because you're not shooting, but if you cutting and you in the paint all day, they're gonna, they can't do nothing but be aware of you. And Jay McDaniels is a good player like that. He's shooting 55% from the field. This all the stats come from basketball reference, by the way. Shout out to basketball reference. But he's shooting 55% from the field, and it's not just based off of shooting three. I mean, he takes about three threes a game. His three-point percentage is what it is. He's shooting 43% from three, but – it's, it's a low-volume amount of threes, but it's, nah, yeah, it's right. taking them and making them when they're available, yeah. but knowing what your strength is, which is going to be playing transition, cutting, getting to the basket, cutting baseline and things like that, and that's how you stay effective. Like, if, if you can't shoot, that only affects if you're not doing other things and teams know that you can't shoot and then you're scared to put the shots up. All right. Like, you're going to play your way off the court like that, and, you know, McDaniels is not doing that at all. Not for sure. I want to go next. Um, something that's every weekend is going to be a big topic, regardless of what it's court. Why are we doing this? We're not talking about that stuff because it's just basketball. Today's the first Tuesday edition of that because it's games tonight. It's games tonight? Yeah. You already know I ain't even say those words. But talking about the end game turn, but before I actually get into uh, talk about that, um, of course, the Hawks played in the Mexico City game. Was that last week against the Orlando? Yeah, that was last just week? last week. Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to make it a tournament-like thing, but do you see that being the next installation of more organized tournament-like basketball? Like, maybe it's not 
we don't have a Mexico City championship, but we right. have the Mexico City games. Right. And it's like over two or three days out the week. And, like, and you just pick a couple teams. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, because we've been obviously, the NBA has been flirting with this for a couple of years. It's been the game in London, the game in Mexico City during the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think the next step, especially with the, they call it the IST, the end season tournament, with that, it, I do think it's ways to be like, all right, this bracket is here or that bracket there. Cause, or that. Because you might – you at the end of the day, people are going to always want to be more teams. At a certain point, you got to stop. It's not going to be 60 NBA teams. It's not going to be 40 NBA teams. So, yeah, we're going to add a couple of more. Like, yeah, shout they probably It's probably about to be Vegas and Seattle. Go ahead, add them in. Mm-hmm. That, that'll push you to 34 teams. Can we realistically even see them adding two more teams? Like, it's, it's not going to be 40 teams. Not even um, with the way the TV money goes. Right, not, but not counting NBA these other places where you where you have grassroots movements going on and they got the flag planted in stadiums there where you can accommodate what you want to happen, what you want to do, I definitely see it going from just having a game there to all right, y'all are playing y'all in-season tournament games here or the championship, just how, how the finals yeah, is going to be in Vegas. Vegas yeah. The finals could be in London. The finals could be in Mexico City. Right. Uh, the finals could be in Vancouver. Um, I was listening to Quinn Richardson and shout out to Quinn Richardson and <coughs> excuse me, uh, Darius Miles Knucklehead podcast. And they were talking about how you know most people haven't been to Vancouver and you hear the team up there and it's like it sucks because you got to go through customs. He said that's what the players are thinking, mm-hmm. but he was like, once the team like moved, they was like, hey, Vancouver actually was a cool city. <laughs> uh, so that's how you can still you know what I mean play, play that a I'm little sure bit. Now you don't have to add other NBA cities Cause it's because it's not going to be forty teams. I just can't see a no, point where crazy. it's forty teams that's in the NBA. Crazy. Fifty, maybe maybe you do get to forty because we're at thirty four. So that's six more teams. Uh, after well, we're not, they're not officially at thirty four yet. But two more teams are going to be added after the TV deal, and maybe they add the more teams to start curving some of the money back down. Because I mean, once you start, that's another topic. But it, the people know it makes sense. No, for sure. If it got to 410, because let's say you do add Seattle, you add Vegas, and then you're going to want to add these other teams. Yeah, what about about Canada? What about Mexico City? What about another East Coast team? San Jose, San Diego. Because, dang, we ain't got no teams on on the East yet. Like, y'all can go to Seattle, Vegas. Um, I mean, I guess technically what's when they came back to Charlotte. But whatever, add a team over this way. I guess Charlotte was the newest team to make Gator the podcast. So, my bad. I'm I'm tripping. (laughs) So, but either way, I just can't see it being more. I really can't see them even getting to 40. But let's, I'm just thinking because 34 is once they add these next two teams. 34 right. isn't so far off from 40. I, I just can't see it no, going yeah, that, past no, that. No, so sure. this is, how, is a way to do that. And even with your thought, I wasn't even thinking about it like that. But I do like that as a way to keep generating more interest and curious eyes to this season tournament, putting the, champ, putting the bracket of you know, this bracket here. Championship games got to be here. But I do think that, like you say, it's going to eventually be, maybe it is just, we're going to start adding these, not just EuroLeague teams, but Australia, um, China, Japan, Korea, Mexico. We got to start adding some of these teams. So we're going to need more tournament sites, more, like I said, a lot of these play. They already play in a lot of these places. So there's already NBA-like arenas there anyway. Exactly. They already got their accommodations, so yeah. We I, might as well get ready for that, right? Like how we've been telling people for what right. two, three years, y'all need to be. Get, that's why y'all need to listen to us. Right. We've been telling y'all get ready for the season tournament because when it's here, y'all don't want to be asking these questions that y'all are asking right now. People just asking them questions been, to be lame been, at yeah, the end of the are. day. Like yeah, they trying yeah, to do, so, right. they trying to do something different. Like at the end of the day, it's just more. It's more games. I mean, it's not, not more, games. more games. It's just a different way to, to look at these games. And to give some incentives to some high act, like I think these games are gonna be some pretty good games on a Tuesday night in November when I care about basketball. So it'd be cool for me either way. But you know, it's some people that don't don't care. There's other things going on. It's early. Mm-hmm. I start catching up at this time. No, what else is there to do Tuesday night? Let's watch an NBA game, and it's a, a competitive one because even Steph acknowledged like, hey, you know, yeah, we rich, but we also pay taxes too. So you know, we got this. You get this little money coming up. Everything helps, basically. No, no. And I, I like that point that you brought up about, you know, the teams that's going to be playing because they're going to try to match up. Like, say, it's Tuesday. So, like, it's Chet Wimby tonight. I don't Marquee, know y'all going to hear this probably tomorrow, but it's Chet Wimby tonight. Um, the Hawks play the Pistons, K, Trey Young. But I think right, Trae yeah. Young, so Trae not Young might just, not play, though. Like, not even just the teams. It's the players that they can showcase in this because it's like, 
yeah, y'all going to play this many times in the season already. But if it's now and we treat it like not necessarily a playoff game, but we treat it like it's the intensity of a playoff game, the coverage of a playoff game, that's how you start exposing these younger players. That's how you're exposing certain teams who might not be getting the big national media um, exposure that they should get. That's not just even for a night. It's just about, you know, it's about San Antonio, OKC tonight. Like, even just use those teams because they're playing. Look at it. Like, almost everybody playing. But I know a TV game is uh, San Antonio is the TV game. Yeah. And I think the Lakers is the TV game. Because I think the Lakers, yeah, because I think the Lakers, I've seen the Lakers um, in season tournament. Yeah, they they closing it out, Lakers, Sacramento. But But I know uh, even. And, okay, see, I didn't even know this. Another way they get money. It's a game. I didn't realize they were doing it like this. Sacramento, uh, excuse me, San Antonio and OKC, they're playing on TNT. But the Lakers game is on ESPN. Mm. And today's the 14th, today's the 14th, right? Yeah. And then that Philly San, and Boston is on that ESPN San Antonio, also. That San Antonio. It's a couple TV That games. San Antonio OKC game is also coming on HBO Max for people that care. Right. But. So, like that, say, that's another little wrinkle to do it as they also try to. Put this in, like I say, this TV deal is coming up, so it right. all matters. But it's Not just sure. a way to be competitive. But, but like it's said, ESPN and TNT game. No, I'm tripping. Okay, my bad. Those the Lakers game is Friday. I mean, the Lakers do play tonight, but the ESPN game is Friday. The Clippers and the Nuggets is the night game. Okay, but my bad, y'all. Like I say, even like I say, the incentive of that little extra five hundred thousand, like people to come out and making the jokes about because everybody everybody's heard Dwayne Wade say LeBron is probably the the What's the word I'm looking for? The cheapest rich man, the cheapest yeah. man in the NBA. So, like, LeBron was like, you know, he looking forward to that 500000 if his team win because you're right. Like, that's just an extra – that's extra pocket cash for them. Like, maybe I do this with this. Like, I ain't even feel like spending the NBA check because, shit, like, I'm getting taxed every week for this shit whenever I get paid. Right. Not to be checking their pay schedule. But it's like, no, nah, that's a five – that's a cool incentive. I know – I forgot who it was. I think we brought it up on the last episode, but – Maybe you do something like in future years. Maybe this is an automatic play-in spot. You know, just yeah. little things like that add little wrinkles to it. Yeah, that'd be cool. But I like it overall just being competitive. People just don't want the regular season to be competitive so bad. It's like, why y'all fighting, <laughs> why y'all fighting competitive basketball so badly, man? No, for sure. It, it's all competitive. But, so. you know, not to take away opinions from other people, you know, just you in general. I already know what you're about to say because you basically already said it. But the in-season tournament, do you even like not even necessarily the games of like the idea, but do you like have the setup of it weekends, like say it's Tuesday tonight? Um, it's Tuesday and Friday. Tuesday and Fridays, but like say you do get the mix, you know, you do get the marquee everybody's a marquee game basically now because of this. Do you like the idea of that and do you think that can help with the coverage of not necessarily not even you know, the seven superstars is in the league or the 15 all-stars, but those other players who, like a Jordan Poole, who at some point is going to go crazy and he's just fun, a fun player to watch every night. Even a player like Anthony Edwards who's stuck up in Minnesota, but we know what he can do, so now you get to see players like that. Do you think that all that's how the NBA is also going to help build this fan basis for these younger players who's not a LeBron or Giannis, or even Anthony Edwards, who already kind of has a growing fan base. Do you think that helps? Yeah, that's the way to do it because it's a way that they obviously put an extra promotion into it. Um, So I think that's a good way to do it. And I just think it's a good way to, like, why not do something different? Why not shake it up? Um, Why not have a competitive tournament? Because, I mean, it has been the same way forever. Um, yeah, I want to take away games. Why not we just make the games more important? Right, just making them more important and just making them – and I wouldn't even say making them more important, important. just a different way for players to compete because stuff is st- – things are different now. Marketing is different now. And I think the money being involved matters too. And you don't want to start putting out a mediocre, a mediocre, pro, uh, pro, uh, mediocre product, excuse me, <laughs> but – and that started affecting like branding deals and stuff like that because it's be so, it's become so cool to not play or to not care right. about basketball right. and right. stuff like right. that. And I don't even think that people feel like that. Like I'm not even gonna loop Joker into that because people I've, I've been letting people help loop him into it. They're like, you don't even care about basketball because he says he didn't pick up a ball this summer after winning an NBA championship and playing in the world championship last summer. He played a lot of basketball over the last year. He hasn't so, been hurt. For so, yeah, so I'm not surprised that he didn't hoop over the summer. But the the 
it, to be cool to not care about the regular season. We don't care about the all-star game. We don't care about nothing but the playoffs, but the same. So, you know, I think it's it's cool to do. It's cool to draw another interest because it's interest from another crowd because there are people out there that want to see these games be competitive. They want to see it is a way to show off these new players. Like tonight is perfect. You got OKC playing um, the Spurs. Wimby is having a good rookie year so far. Chet's having a good rookie year. And those are two players you plan on marketing. Plus, they line up against each other. And I hope they take it as serious as the star players have. You know, LeBron and KD played, and they both gave us 30. Steph played, and he hits a game-winning shot the first night because they actually care about what's going on. So I hope they uh, – and I think they will. I hope they take it serious too because, I mean, this just gives them confidence too to be able to go out and win something like this uh, if – you know, put yourself in a position. So, um, I, I like that the NBA is doing it. I think I definitely think it's a good way to bring new markets to younger players and just to market. You know, the NBA is the best at marketing its players, period. Sure. So, um, it's just a good way to bring that all in. But, Jen, shaking it up, I like that Adam Silver and I ended with this because I even heard what he just said. He said it a couple weeks ago, I think, about the All-Star game and something else. And he's like, the way to shake this stuff up is to just get it back about basketball the end season tournament yeah they, they're doing the court i like the court it's something different to make you feel like you're somewhat different no nah, because that's what that's what that's that's the whole point right. of doing the courts that way but it's still about hooping at the end no. of the day you got to go out here and that's win that's just to distinguish even like, uh, even my bad i said i, was gonna end no, up, I even ended with this even like did you I see had i had one more thought i don't know if you saw this the other night i can't remember what the game is no more so my bad but like at the end of the game the, the teams didn't just run out the clock because the point differential matter so they still were scoring because what if me and you tied and i had nah, this 10 did. point win uh-huh. you only had to see what it, how it worked so mm-hmm. like they weren't even just holding the ball they were still like all right let's get some buckets like i i really feel like the players care and i think that's the coolest nah, thing. Sure. like i said this would be my last thought on it and i know this is something you harped on even before we started recording doing podcasts but like you said, like you just said, you know, this gives teams a chance to win something. No, it's not an NBA championship. But do you think you could see a team like a young team when they win it? Is that means something? Like, all right, we know what it right. takes to win any. We know what it takes anything, to win right. something. Right. Like, let's translate that. We just now, we just let's just translate that and figure out how we double time that to go to the championship. Do you, do you think that's important for honestly? Like, I, my bad. I know you do. But right. do you like that as a thought for younger teams or teams that's trying to build that type of chemistry? Right. I think it's super important. I, and I think it's super cool, especially for particular young teams. Like, it would be cool for a team. Like, let's say Minnesota, like, like how Minnesota's on this roll. Yeah. Right? Let's say Minnesota wins. Like, Minnesota or even somebody like OKC, OKC and you able to pull off some wins and y'all were y'all lost in the play-in last year. you really trying to get to the playoff this year. Or even a team like Detroit, who's, mm-hmm. they're struggling right now, but they had some – uh, playoff hole. I, I definitely was going to say I thought they were going to be a playing team. I don't really know what Monty is doing. I'm going to trust Monty because I trust I, – I like Monty, but I think he can do some things different. But I think it could be important for some of those teams that's trying to build towards something. You have a young core. You're on the brink of making the playoffs, and you pull off one of these wins because I don't care what nobody say. Whoever wins the first one is going to talk. They're they going to be able to talk. They talk. They're going to walk away with the money. They're going to walk away with the trophy. And it's going to matter. We got like it ain't nothing now. It's going to matter when they when whoever wins in Vegas and they get the money and they got the bragging rights over it because the playoffs still some months away. So it, it's definitely going to be a good notch. It's going to make you feel good. And who knows if I am – like I said, if it's OKC in Minnesota again, not again, but let's just say they play and let's say they make it to the finals. And then what happens if y'all meet in the playoffs? I feel good about playing y'all now, whoever wins. Because it's like, oh, yeah, I know how to beat y'all. And it's different. The playoffs is different. So you got to prepare different. But at least in your mind, it's like, oh, I know how to beat y'all in a pressure situation, yeah. though. So just that, I'll just be prepared. That alone, right? Yeah, yeah I, that, that's, that's growth pause during the season that it, it's tough. It's going to be tough to get when you don't think these games matter. So um, I definitely think it's good for Minnesota, and Minnesota's become they're seven and two right now. OKC trying to take the step. Houston, Houston's hooping right now. Uh, um, like I said, even somebody like Detroit, um, all of all of those teams. I think it look good. I think it matters for those teams. Not for sure. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not. Um, Indiana but, too. I think it, it look good for the players. No, yeah, for sure. Especially with a player like Ben Mathurin, who's been playing great lately. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton. But I don't know if you saw this, but recently Adam Silver, I don't know who he was doing an interview with, 
But he said, came out and said, hey, he wants um, in-game commentary to be more more than just, you know, one team wanted it more than the other. They wanted, like, he wanted them to break it down. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did this team win? Why did this team lose? What was the separation in between the teams? Kind of like how the NFL does. Um, like, a lot of NFL in-game commentary is really good with breaking down plays. Yeah. I know the NBA move. I know the NBA game is so much faster, which I think people also need to recognize. Right. You're not gonna be able to break down every set, every action, every play because it's, it's just it's on. just too much going on, honestly. Because it could you know, you could be in the middle of explaining something and three three, done, three, man, yeah, three four up downs and <laughs> went down, so you really don't right. Now you gotta catch up to that. But do you like the idea of Adam it's not his job, he's not over ESPN, he's no. not over TNT, he's not over the people that like hire even, these even people. even NBA TV he, like they not even like, that's does, that's a Turner thing. Yeah, he doesn't hire these people or you know, go in and do these interviews to hire people. But do you like that he is in tune with not only how the games are being called because it is a game that he has to commission, but even how that is some fan complaints about a lot of the in game commentary it's Catchphrases, not even just it's always my bad because there's always been catchphrases. I don't want to discredit that. Everybody, RP Stu Scott, everybody loves Stu Scott, but he wasn't necessarily just breaking down plays on ESPN doing the highlights. He had the colors, yeah, they definitely had the color with him. But do you like that Adam Silver is in tune to that and he thinks that that is something that definitely needs to be changed? And do you think that's something that can be fixed or not be fixed, but something that can be changed or a little better to be more analytical? I guess the way he was trying to put it. Adam's like, as I said, man, Adam Silver said, we getting back to hooping. Y'all doing that other stuff, we finna do basketball. <laughs> he had a, kept, like he had a conversation it, with Kevin Durant. <laughs> right, and it is ways to do it. Like, football is going to be different, like you said, because it's the time in between when they call and play. After a play, you, it's so much time in between. While basketball, just because. Yeah, so while basketball, you can't really do it like that. But I do think there's ways to do it, and it's built around – you got to get back to the, the – they've always hired – players to be involved and even coaches but you got to get back to making that kind of really be the the thing because like you said people have always had catchphrases but if you listen to commentary in the 90s when when uh 90s 80s whenever but the earlier people uh when it was like you might catch bill russell doing some stuff hubie brown doing some stuff which is like doc rivers used to which is why they brought doc rivers back that's why nancy uh, she got the promotion that she's got. So you can see they're trying to get to that and get away just from, like you said, the, I guess the the more the, the color, you know, it's supposed to be color commentating and you got the more color. Like, right. let's get to breaking down. All right, we got a coach on here. Wish you had coaches and stuff before, but we got a coach. We got a player. But lean more into who you getting, but also telling them what you want to see. So, I like a good mix. I like it to be a good mix. Like it still should be fun. Um, you, they still should be able to joke around. But yeah, let's let's talk about these plays that they're running or the actions that they're trying to get into or what's not working or whatever. I do think let's get back to that um, or let's get to it more. If some people want to say we haven't had it, I think it's 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 been there. I think it went away for a while and it got more into the oohs and ahs. But I like the idea of getting it back to get back to the hoops, man. And I think with the popularity of podcasts, that's just also what he's noticing too, is people are listening to podcasts. Because I mean, we we break down some stuff, but we don't get over. We talk we talk stats and we talk some plays and some actions here or there. But we're not over analytical or like, oh, you know, when they run this action and then they hit them with the Iverson cut and then they do the elevator doors. <laughs> like we don't get into all that, but we will break down some play. You know, we we'll do it a, a little bit. Nah, but nah. you got to have a mix of doing that, talking real numbers, talking what you're seeing, being animated with it a little bit, but mainly just keeping it about. The hoops. No, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. And I like because I think a lot of times, especially if you just look at NBA Twitter or people how people are in, on Twitter talk about Adam Silver, you would think that he doesn't know what he's doing or he's just letting the league run wild on his watch. But if you really pay attention to what he's saying and just how he thinks, you can tell he's not just taking cues from the people that's around him who's in charge of that, but also the fan. And not just yeah. super hardcore, I watch every game, every night from every team fan, but no, just the casual fan who is just as important as that hardcore fan, like the exactly. podcasters who are watching for content 
just anybody in general, but you can tell Adam Silver isn't just so set on, I'm the commissioner of the league, we're going to do it how I want to do it. Like, no. Like, yeah, shout out to David Stern and what he did for the league, why he was the commissioner. Don't say what you want to say because I'm not going to be super positive about him. But no, Davis, not even that. I was gonna say David Stern did what he had to do, and, it, and and that's why Adam Silver can do what he's doing now because he David Stern's way put them in position. And I've even heard some of the players say that, um, even with like the dress code thing, and yeah, it came out the wrong way and it was handled wrong. But the idea of it was how you were trying to sell the league, and it's always gonna be these whatever stuff about the league, no, even no. when. You know, Magic them came. In. It's always it's the black league, man. We can we can say we, it, it, the B and NBA stands for black. I don't say what the N stands for, <laughs> but the B stands for black, man. It's a black it's a black league, and they always gonna put certain stigmas to it and stereotypes, and sure. and people in the league live that life too. But it's also some guys that are like next level intelligent, next level smart, innovative creative in a bunch of different ways and I was like all right how do we showcase this how do we get in certain rooms and I think the time was different even just how people dressed was different than overall I think that's the I think that's because remember even that's when the rap was remember Jay-Z that was wearing suits and everything was different but because if you look at some stuff now you go to a corporate meeting and they might have on some Yeezy slides and they're gonna have on earth tone colors and we can be like all right you know we about to take a nap or we about to talk business but back then everybody was Big suits and it's and like even like I said, you even yeah. got to think when they, you know, when he implemented the dress code, it wasn't just, oh, let me just go wear the biggest clothes ever. Like, no, I think y'all forget that's how clothes that's were how being made. Wearing, yeah. That's how they been made. That like, was the yeah, that it, was wasn't, it. it wasn't that, that was oh, it. let me. It wasn't that Iverson because that's who because uh, that's who a lot of people attached to it. So I'm start right. with Iverson. It wasn't that Iverson was going out like, let me wear the biggest clothes ever. It's like, nah, these are how brands are making it because a. Even if it's just a, a, even if you just move a size up, if you're a little dude, your pants like your pants are gonna be big on you. Like they're gonna sag, and they was like, all right, not only gonna let y'all pants sag because we know y'all like that, we are gonna also make them a little bigger so y'all feel like that. Even if you wear them in your size, and that's all it was. And like you say, the B foot NBA stands for black, and that stigma is gonna be there. You see, Iverson, and you see. Like, I think uh, Andre Iguodala was telling a story on that podcast about how Iverson introducing the Jay-Z mm-hmm. at the 40-40 club is Ricky year, and you going to – I don't care. That's kind of super racist when you think about it. Like, baseball isn't attached to country music, like, at all. But you see black you – you see these basketball players, and you see them. They do hang out with rappers because y'all can hate it or not. A lot of these dudes are just from the same neighborhood. They understand each other. Right. Like, so they kind of – that does put that stigma of, oh, Every stigma you can think of from the late nineties, early two thousand gangsters, the troubled child Jalen Rose angles, <laughs> what they were saying about him. But that's just how it was, and it did come off. Initially, it comes off as racist because it's like, you know, all these players like you talking to your all these players. The majority of your league is black, right, bro? What are you doing here? Exactly. But even but the, the white boys were wearing big clothes because that's how they were made. That's how it was made. But everything that's Stern did and David Stern wasn't perfect but what he did sets up for Adam Silver to, like he handed him over billion dollar franchises they would like every team Adam Silver took over the league and the Clippers sold for a billion dollars the Clippers so it's easier for him to focus on and you know that's his style too though but it's easier for him to focus on the innovation just straight out spreading the league being more creative with the, what they're doing during the season Adding businesses like they selling patches on jerseys for twenty million dollars now, um, because right? because of the stuff that Stern set up. That's what it was supposed to do. I just think I think everyone thinks he went about it the wrong way. He delivered it the wrong way instead of treating them like partners. It was like hey, this is what y'all got to do, opposed to like I said when Adam when, when, isn't when it was laid out <laughs> to people like that. They heard after instead of Stern saying this is why we're doing it. He just told them this is what we're gonna do, and you know. He could have had that conversation while Adam Silver. Now he he is more open to talking to the players and stuff like that. But he he took over an easier league to take over, honestly. And that don't mean he don't have his hard his tough days and stuff like that. And it ain't more to do. But honestly, everything is gravy going forward. You just can't don't mess it up. No, really. yeah, for sure. All right, I 
I don't know if anything has changed since, you know, the last time I saw it, but the Clippers are 0-4 since James Harden was traded there. Yeah, they ain't won the game since uh, they You could say that's because they're good at their roster with the, you know, important role players off the team. You could say it's chemistry issues. You could say this, that, or whatever. Of course, when James Harden got traded, his whole thing was – and before I go into it, I'm going to say this because I feel like I just have to say it real quick. I hate in any league when players get traded and they're playing below what the people's standards are for them. And not just the fans, but the league they play in, it automatically goes to, I'm not a system player, I'm a system. If you never won a championship, you are not a system. You can be an engine on a team, you can be the main conductor, you can be whatever you want to be. But until you win a championship playing your style and being the best player on your team, you are not a system. You are a system player. James Harden, you are a system player. Um, what's my guy, Mike D'Antoni built? He didn't even build a system around you. He just implemented a system he already had, and you would just have to be a better scorer than the point guard that was in the system before you. Steve Nash won two MVPs as the engine under Mike D'Antoni in Phoenix. The same way James Harden had crazy scoring numbers. Steve Nash had crazy assists and crazy efficiency with the shoot, shooting numbers. So, no, you're not a system. You are you are a system player. A coach had a system that was well fitted for your play style, and you was able to have great, a great run with it. Now, with that being said, is James Harden, because nothing has changed from him being in Philly. He's still, he's not going to be giving you 26, 27 tonight because you got Kawhi and Paul George. He's probably not going to give you 10, 11 assists for real because you have Russell Westbrook. Was this the worst of all the trades that James – I don't – we don't blame him for the OKC trade. You're a young player. Team on trade, they're going to trade you. But is this the worst trade of the three that James Harden has wanted, though? Yeah, just this, just this, off the first four games. This one is the worst by far because, like I said, the OKC, he had nothing to do with the OKC trade. They offered him a contract. Uh, he told him he was going to think about it or overlook it like anybody should do, they traded him the next day. Literally, after they gave him that offer, they traded him. And then, you know, of course, there were probably some negotiations before that, but they gave him that offer, they traded him the next day. You get why he wanted to leave Houston because, honestly, once it's done, it's done. He went about it the wrong way, but if you could feel like your run is over in a certain place, let's just all do something different. The talks about the owner, whatever. I understand him asking for a trade from Houston. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with the trade from the, the Nets. But I get it. But I even understand that with how it wasn't. For one, he clearly always wanted to go to Philly. He was cool with going to the Nets because him and Kevin Durant are tight. And then it was like, all right, yeah, we got Kyrie too, so we'll be good. So, man, if they don't make Philly happen, I'll go to the Nets. That's cool. I can, I can understand it because uh, – once COVID happened, it's just like a sign. I ain't really – I wanted to go there anyway. The Ben Simmons situation was happening. So, you could go there. They got Daryl Morey. They, D'Antoni was on the staff. I could go there. But this last trade don't make any sense, honestly. He talks about being a system player. He was this and that, whatever. I don't even got to get into his words. We can just talk about what happened last year. Like, no matter what Doc wanted him to do, what he allegedly says Doc wanted him to do because I literally watched Doc in training camp say to him that he James Harden's talking about passing the ball because it's all just seems like it come down to scoring I guess I don't know which like you already said he's not even about to do that on there but it's literally footage of him in, in training camp James is talking about scoring and Doc is like no I need you to do both I need you to score I need you to pass I need you to get people involved I need you to run the team because you're playing point guard which all these point guards have problems with running the team nowadays but the ball was in James Harden's hands, man. Like, yeah, Embiid scored because he goes to the free throw line and et cetera, et cetera. But, like, James was – he handled the ball. Embiid isn't running – bringing the ball up court like Jokic all the time. Maxi wasn't running point guard. James was running point guard. That's why he led the league in assists. He picked and chose when he was going to be aggressive and when he wasn't, which is what he does in the playoffs. Um, he shot career-low numbers at the rim which affected his scoring. Um, he got to the free throw line at the same percentage, but he shot a little, you know, he shot, like he still shot 86% last year, but he's usually 80, he 86 one other time, but he's usually 89. He's usually, whatever, he's around his, his range for the free throw. But 
he was he played the style of having the ball in his hands. So now you go to the Clippers, and that was four of y'all. And he he's not even shooting catch and shoot threes right now because he's dribbling out. Because he long. says he's not used to not having the ball in his hands like that. So it's it's weird because even last year in Philly he played with the ball in his hands. Pause. Even in Brooklyn. Kyrie got hurt. He had to play the point for a while. James, uh, KD got hurt. He had to play the point for a while. So he was even he, like he's been ball dominant. So that hasn't been the problem. He just really didn't want to be in Philly, and he can't come out and say it. He didn't want to be in Philly because his friend, the owner, GM. Well, I don't think he's the owner anymore. No, I'm talking about uh, Josh, the oh, mayor. Oh. But I don't think he. I, I don't know if he. I think he still owns the Seventy Sixers. I don't know. But the, the GM president of basketball operations, they didn't give him the contract that he wanted. That's what it all comes down to. He didn't get paid like they wanted him to. They weren't going to max him out. So he wanted to leave. You go to the Clippers. Cause Steve Ballmer's the richest owner in the league. They about to go to this new team. You from California. You're James right. Harden. You said team. Okay. Huh? You said new team, New Orleans. New arena, yeah, my bad. They about to go to their new arena in, in uh, I was gonna say Ellenwood in Inglewood. In they should be moving there next year, if not next yeah. year, the year after. They should be there in the next two seasons. The richest owner in the league, Los Angeles. He could pay you. You could drop the attention being at home. It's about getting paid. I, I don't. I don't think it's about the money no more. I mean, uh, about the hooping no more. It's about the money. Like, he want to get paid, and I think he thinks there's a good chance. Steve Ballmer's energetic. They're trying to build their own whatever. Like, he's the richest owner in the league, like, by far. It's not close at all. If anybody can luxury tax money, there's what? There's nothing to Steve Ballmer, and he'll do it because he's motivated. He's motivated to bring a championship there. He likes basketball. He's a competitive dude. He likes the star power because even though you are trying to be different from the Lakers, you understand it's still L.A. It's still – California is still about stars. Even the Warriors got stars. The Lakers got stars. Even Sacramento has, you know, they got underground stars, up and coming underground stars. About- <laughs> you know what I mean? De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Sabonis, they got two all stars up there. They, sure. they, they love that. So I think it came down to getting money. The Clippers are probably a team that'll be willing to pay him. And that's what it was, it was about. And I. I don't even think like not that it can't go right. Like they, I think they're gonna no, eventually start. I think they're gonna eventually start winning some games. But I do think he's gonna have to play point guard and mm-hmm. facilitate. He's gonna have to stop turning down, catch and shoot threes, mm-hmm. and they're gonna have to keep playing through Kawhi because Kawhi's still their best player. No matter where anybody is, like Kawhi, y'all best player. No, sure. Kawhi's the best player by far too. It ain't close between none of them. Kawhi's their best player. I've seen a couple thoughts. From different people who are around, and they shout out to the people who I, you know, the, you know, the opinions I actually respect are on it. Um, shout out to Zach from the Z Show, from the Z Podcast. Uh, shout out to Dive Driver. You know, he got his LA Clippers thing going on. He's a Clippers fan. It was one other guy. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Zach on both the Paul George points, but um, start with Zach. What's you know, if you have an opinion on what he said, you know, it's basically like Paul George is a rhythm. Just to take, just I don't got the tweet right in front of me, but you know, Paul George is a rhythm player, yep. and then you add James Harden, another ball dominant player. Nobody's talking about Paul George, kind of not being. He's the one that has to kind of fit in the most and figure out where he, where yeah, he, he stands in this because he's, although he's another player that can create off the dribble, a lot of his stuff is. Let me get, let me get some shots up. Let me just. No. Don't run no plays for me. No, nah, yeah, just, things that you, you don't got to run plays. But I catch it in the, the rhythm. No, nah, I catch it in the rhythm. Let me do this. Let me do that. Like, like I'm pretty sure. Don't call set plays. No, no, yeah. Give me these actions so I can yeah, get where I want to yeah. get, and I can do what I, you know, I can be, I can be in movement. I can be facing basketball. Like I say, it probably wasn't Zach, but I think Zach also. You know, he might. We might see Paul George get traded by the trade deadline. Uh, I know, like I say, when it first happened, um, Don Dropper was saying they should probably bring James. I probably they should bring James Harden off the bench. You know, there's less ball handlers on the bench. There's less people who need the ball in their hands off the bench. You can create for more people off the bench. That way you can start Westbrook and you can keep pushing the ball. Then you got Kawhi and Paul George still. Do you agree with any of those things outside of James Harden should come off the bench? Because I know you agree with that. James might should come off the bench. I I mean, some people thought Westbrook initially, but Westbrook plays better with Kawhi and Paul George. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's had – 
played with them last year, had the summer with them. I I disagree 100%. Paul, Kawhi is the best player by far. Paul George is a player they're most committed to. Paul George is going to sign an extension in the next couple months. Paul George is going to that new arena. Unless he asks for a trade, they're not trading Paul George. No, I'm sorry. No, my bad. It wasn't that Paul George was going to get traded. It was Kawhi was going to ask for a trade. My bad. And, like I said, I don't want to put that on Zach because I don't think no, that yeah, Zach, no, but, I, I agree with why people would think that, though. I ain't even try to say, like, oh, it's crazy. I just no, know. Yeah. I listen to Steve Barmer on Paul. I listen to Paul George's podcast every once in a while. I listen to him on the podcast and the relationship they got. and just as the, Paul George is their franchise player. Kawhi is their best player. Kawhi is right. the guy that's going to win them the championship. If they go to the championship, Kawhi's going to be finals MVP. Yeah. Paul George is their franchise player. He's the, he is going to be there when they go to England. <laughs> that's what I got the most out of Balmer's conversation with him on there. And they didn't talk about the deal at all. But you can just tell off of their relationship, who he probably talks to the most amongst some of his players. Mm-hmm. Paul George ain't going nowhere. I don't like think I said, I didn't mean, like I said, it I don't think Paul it's going to happen. But I could see, like, if anybody get moved, yeah, it could be it, it could be Kawhi. Get, and that's yeah. per, they. I don't know the real talks, but it's been talks because, you know, the deal's about to come up. Paul George is about to sign his extension, but it's been talks that they don't. Some people have said, I don't even know if this is true, and that could be completely false. Because how the hell would you really know? But they've been saying that Kawhi may not get the extension there in, or whatever. He might have to look at his other options. So I could see Kawhi being the one, you know, less invested, especially since LeBron's going to retire a couple of years and maybe go to the Lakers. I'm the first person to say that. So, put, you know, that's where he wanted to go anyway. LeBron about to retire. Y'all want to pounce on Kawhi, this is the time. I don't Pause. care about none of that Brownie stuff either. No, yeah. Brad James Jr. Oh, especially once they leave. Yo, he, he like, y'all leaving the crib, not me. <laughs> but, uh, but James coming off the bench does make sense, but he'll, he'll never go for it. He right. he will never go for it. And I, I think that's why Ty Lue just started all four of them to just avoid it. Which just a lot of teams that's playing that style right now anyway. Uh, Charlotte is doing it. Uh, Clippers got theirs. Uh, Celtics oh, is doing it. Uh, somebody else. You know what the problem is with the Clippers, it. though? It's not even necessarily James Harden start. Neither Paul George nor Kawhi should be guard power forward. The Paul George doesn't want to play. He hasn't Especially played power forward since I think, like his third year in Indiana. Especially with the injuries like, the last couple of years. He doesn't so. like. So shout out to Ty, championship coach because you had to say that first shout out to Tyloo. Yeah, he's gonna have to make the tough a tough decision if you want to yeah. actually. And, and I know he don't want to bring West. He feel like Westbrook. Westbrook he feel like he feel like Westbrook saved their team last year, and and I don't even think he had some starting on some charity. You say that team, but like he, I think he, he, I think he likes he, like because he's gonna push that tempo to yeah. get to make Paul George and Kawhi run more, make their jobs easier. Yeah, James so, Harden ain't doing that for real. Right. So no disrespect. To I think the the main thing that happens. Potentially, like you say, you could potentially ask Kawhi to. I mean, potentially Kawhi could ask out, but I think they just got to figure it out. Honestly, I don't think nobody's going nowhere. Um, I think they're going to be there. I think they eventually they they start winning because I would have James play point guard. I would have Westbrook push in transition and half court. I play through Paul George and Kawhi. Um, I would have James and Paul like handle the ball in half court more. Try to do some picking. Like I don't get why people, these people, they don't use their players together more. We we'll probably get to that, but I would do more picking rolls and giving goals with them. Just use them together. But anything in transition, get the ball to court. I'm going to Westbrook, push the pace. Um, but if nothing at all, I will have one of them on the court. It's, it's never a reason for not one of them to be on the court at all no, times. There's it's not like, really, it's not even a reason for it. Should always be two of them on the court at all times. Right, but literally, it should, it should be, be one of them for time. all 48 minutes of the game. Yeah, one sure. one of them should be on the court. Um, when you go to these different these different lineups, and then you pick which ones make sense, whether it's you know James and Kawhi, Paul and Westbrook, because then you got to fit in Bones, um, uh, Terrence Mann, um, fitting in PJ. I say, like Terrence Mann, not Terrence Mann, excuse me. Like Bones hasn't has been the one that's kind of been out the lineup. Yeah, because between like say Norman Powell, they're putting on the bench. Terrence Norman Powell, I've got to him because I've seen. I've seen a couple lines where it's been like James, Norman Powell, and I think they'll be out there with Kawhi um, and stuff like that. So, I think I, – I respect I respect Ty Lue's 
ability to manage these egos, which is why I think if anybody's perfect for this job, uh, it's Ty Lue. Shout out to him, championship coach. If he could tell LeBron to shut the hell up, all of them can listen. Um, so and he's been around the minds, which is why I think he knows how to manage these egos. He played on the field. He played with Kobe. He played with Jordan. Um, so he's learned from all these people. And he's learned from people where the guys around him has to, on top of the fact that he has a championship, only other person in there with a championship is Kawhi. He's learned from all these champions and been around so many of these champions. It's like you need to listen to what he's talking about. Like he's been around Kobe. He's been around Shaq. He's been around Jordan. been around Phil uh, Jackson. Um, you, you've been around all of these people. So um, if anybody can get it right, I respect Ty Lue to be able to do it. I think everyone just has to play their – they have to play their role. They got to fall in line. They got to just overall play better. The chemistry is going to get there. You got to be able to play through some defense to get easier buckets. Um, but they're going to need help from the youth too because on top of just the fit, they old. <laughs> they old. They old nah. and they been hurt. <laughs> they old all and they been hurt. Them, right? So all yeah, they, they all for them old and been hurt. So you gonna need that little youth boot, that youth boost nah, in there sure. as well. I definitely agree, and I do like your point about like run more actions, run more even not even necessarily on on ball stuff with them Pauls with like pick and rolls. But when's the last time we seen Paul Jordan? I'm pretty sure it happens, but it's so easy to go back to Golden State because they have kind of the perfect offense for the team. For any NBA team, but how often do we see them running splits between Kawhi and Paul George? Exactly. Them, like just little stuff like that. Even with Westbrook and James Harden, like how often do we see those type of things with that? And that would probably make things a lot easier, honestly, for the team. Exactly. And you just run those little sets down at like Paul George sets a pick for Kawhi. Kawhi pops out and get it. Man, he there, and you just keep going from there. So, man, it's way it's it's ways to do it. I think Ty Lue is the right person to get it done. I respect Ty Lue to get it done. So, Clippers will figure it out. I don't know how far they're going this year. I still want to give them a chance to develop because it is just the first four games mm-hmm. with a player, which is why I hate these nah, yeah. trades in the <laughs> yeah. middle of the season. But the first four games with a player that, like, these are literally his first, first four games of the season as well. He barely played it. You know, he went to training camp for a day or two, and then – he had family business to take care of. And then by the time he came back, the season was starting. Mm-hmm. So, like, James isn't even in any kind of rhythm. So, sure. no reason to – well. Yeah, so not a reason to go too far off the deep end, pause. But you know, they do need to win a game, though. Nah, yeah. <laughs> win, win a game. And, uh, I want to go over to the team he was just traded from, the Philadelphia 76ers, on eight-game win streak right now. Best team in the East. Tyrese Maxey had a 50-ball the other night. I think – Tyrese Maxey is the perfect, not Ty, not the player himself, but the perfect play style of player to go next to Joel Embiid, where he create for his, he creates for himself off the dribble with a jump shot. I think Joel Embiid has never played has not played with a player who does that, even though that was supposed to be James Harden, last, you know James Harden. But Tyrese Maxey is doing that for him. He's younger. He pushes the ball, so it's not. I hate. I I don't want y'all. Don't be mad at me for this comparison, but this is. Just a thought in my head because I've heard the conversation about these two and why it works so well. But it's kind of the Magic Johnson to <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was like, JoJo, I don't expect you to run with me every time, but you're going to run enough. But Tyrese Maxey can be Magic Johnson. He can push the pace, and that helps That helps everybody else. That helps the role players. That helps Robert Cutting get off in threes who just got there. Um, the, not Shake Milton, excuse me, DeAnthony Mills and all those players like that. It helps those players get easy buckets. Do you think Tyrese Maxey has a chance to be an all-star this year? And do you think Philly, after they make, you know, maybe they make another move whatsoever, but do you think Philly can beat, can stay at the top this year in the East and maybe even finally get to that? Not my mind. Don't worry about the playoffs. But do you think Philly can be the best team in the East again this year? Um, For sure. I th- I definitely think the way Maxey is playing and if Philly's at the top of the East, him or, him or Tobias is going to get that second all-star spot. Tobias has been playing really well uh, also. I think Maxie would get it, but Tobias, you know, after so long, he's been on the brink for a while. He has a chance. As long as Joel and B is healthy, Phillies is going to be at the top of the East. So it's about guys that's going to fit around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Maxie being with he with having two 
borderline Maxi probably becomes an All Star. Tobias borderline All Star player. You're still right there to fit in mm-hmm. with the with the best teams um, in in the league. So I, I do think Maxi is perfect because yeah, he is gonna push the pace. And then when we get in half court and Joe will run with him sometimes, but yeah, you don't gotta run every time. Sometimes it'll just be me. I hit, get Tobias to hit the corner. If De'Anthony Mills is in the game, he's over there to mm-hmm. shoot it. Um, so I, I I like what Philly is doing, no. and it's gonna come down to what's gonna happen in the playoffs. Though I thought Kelly Oubre was playing really well for him. Just uh, shout hurt. out to him, send prayers to him. He was in a crazy crazy accident the other day, and he's gonna miss some time, which is messed up because he was really hooping, and I think he played his role well for him. But you know, you just want him to recover and get better. He should be he should be back this year to be able to play, but he's about to miss some time because yeah, yeah, he had a fractured rib, and I just know he had like a lot of bruises. I don't. Initially, I saw it was y'all can read what he nah, what happened nah, to. Him. I don't even want to say it, but I hope he gets better because he he was hooping. You just don't want to see him in that situation. But nah. I don't love Robert Covington. I feel you. But I love the idea of that player with him. He's gonna play defense. He's mainly just trying to shoot threes. If he makes shots, he's gonna be good for sure. Philly. Sure. Um, I think it's some space there for KJ Martin. I don't like them having Marcus Morris. He's just he just slows everything yeah. down. Uh, you you him. need those half court scores, but he's not lit like that no <laughs> more. Um, I'm wondering if Philly's gonna try and get into the Demar or Zach Levine thing. Um, I like Demar there more than Zach Levine, but I wouldn't want to take the ball out of Maxie's hands too much, Paul. Not so true. Zach probably fits more of that because Zach is the better shooter, so he's gonna stretch the floor. Um, but I don't think they necessarily need another. Like, if you can get that without giving up a lot, cool. Nah, yeah, but sure. I'm cool with running with Tobias and Maxi. No, nah, I was, going, I was um, just about to bring that up because, of course, you know, once a team trades the stars, like, what star can they trade for? And I know he's not a star player, but I feel like because everybody wanted Philly to go after Drew because of how he plays. And you're right. I 100% agree with you. I'm not taking the ball out of Maxi's hand. I will have somebody who can run the, run, you know, run the offense with them, who can – now he can be a catch-and-shoot player as well. Or he can just rest on offense because he the burden is so heavy. I would like to feel them to fill out their roster with better quality role players. Like I say, Robert Covington, maybe not like the play, his play style. Shooter. Exactly. Defender, they need a shooter. Shooter, defender. Not Marcus Morris, but a Marcus Morris. You know, Marcus Morris style of player. Half-court scorer. Tough defensively when he feels like a decent rebounder. I would like to see because the Bulls – it's been reported that the Bulls and Zach Levine both open, you know, came together, said they're you know, open for talks about, you know, getting them up out of there. So Chicago is clearly going to start, probably going to blow this up. But I would like to see Philly go out to play like Alex Caruso. Maybe even you try to get Patrick Williams out of that as well. So you well, I, don't know, I wouldn't think they would get Caruso because you can't have Caruso and Patrick Beverly. But if I could get Caruso and get rid of Beverly, if I could get rid of Beverly, he could go. Patrick Beverly, he's been a great He's been in the NBA long enough, so he's a great player. Caruso's better. But I would like I would prefer Caruso over Beverly because Caruso is just as good as a defender. He's a better shooter. He's a better playmaker, better scorer. I think he fits what fit I think he fits better on that team because I know I don't know if you saw what KD said about Caruso after the um Suns Bulls game last yeah. week, but it's like, you know, he's a player that can be on any team. He fits any team well. He help, he can help elevate a team. And I feel like that's a player that Philly should go after Alice Caruso because, it, you know, you can play him with Maxie Owner off the ball. He can – and you can get rid of those Patrick Beverly mills. I think that's what it comes down to as well. Like, I just don't see Patrick Beverly helping them for real. I feel like shout out to him as a defender. He's been able to make open shots his whole career. He is a – he's been an NBA average league – NBA league uh, – average, excuse me, a league average shooter for most of his career. I just feel like it's be, – it's a be, if you get a player like Caruso – Maybe you can get Caruso and DeMar, uh, DeMar up off him or Caruso and Zach Levine, but I feel like they should get just as many, as many people want them to get another star player. I feel like they should fill out the, t- the team with better role players as well. Okay, I would go role players. I would get a player like Caruso. I would get, if it's a shooter out there, available potentially a shooter, a backup center because I know people like Paul Reed, but I don't like Paul Reed. Yeah. But uh, you know, we can't be in the fourth quarter and Batum on the court, so we gotta <laughs> get this together. <laughs> I'm gonna spit my water out. All right, before we get out of here, um, 
I want to talk about two players on the Golden State Warriors who you should kind of be – I think you can ease up on them a bit this year because they have been playing really well this year, especially Jonathan Kaminga. But that is Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody who I know people have been calling for them to get minutes. But as me and you always say, I'm, I'm not even going to hang you out there to drop. I'm not going to leave you on. I'm not going to leave you out there by yourself. You clearly aren't doing something where the coaches have think you earned those minutes or think they can trust you with those minutes. And I also, even in these early 10 games, Jonathan Kaminga has been a big part of a lot of stuff off the bench, especially Chris Paul offensively and defensively. Moses Moody seems to be a good backup option at that other guard spot. You know, him and Gary Payne together. Do you. Do you feel like Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody have actually taken those strides that people have been trying to put on them the first couple of years of why are they playing or they should be out there more or you're going to lose them? Like, Steve, shout out to Steve Kerr because y'all, I was called y'all the N-words, but y'all are some real haters when a coach has early success or just successful coaches. I seen somebody on Twitter say, because um, somebody, I think, I forgot what coach it was, but somebody was like, nobody likes that, no, no NBA fan likes their head coach. And that's the God honest truth. Like, Steve Kerr, he does exactly what he's supposed to do for Golden State, not just manage egos. He puts everybody in position to be them best best selves. Shout out to Mark Jackson and what he was able to instill in Steph Curry. He had Klay Thompson coming off the bench. He had Draymond Green come off the bench as a backup small forward. Andrew Bogan, biggest complaint was not that he didn't get enough post touches, but he just didn't get enough touches to help move the ball as far as a passer because Andrew Bogan was a good passer as a big man. But back to the original question, do you think Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody have actually finally made those strides where they have earned those minutes on the court and that trust from Steve Kerr to leave them on the court? I would say just this yes just the first no, game. A little bit. A little bit. But honestly, I don't think nobody on Golden State Warriors doing nothing other than Steph. And <laughs> Steph just got hurt. So hopefully he don't got to miss no significant time. Kaminga has had – they both had moments. Right. And I think – with them coming off the bench and Chris Paul coming off the bench, he should be able to find ways to get them more involved. Kaminga's averaging 12 points on uh, – what? Is that right? Oh, my God. He's shooting terrible from the field. He's averaging 12 points on 38% from the field. So that's not good at all. Um, but he, he's, had, he's, had, he's had moments. But really it's been – everything has been led by Steph and – they're getting their they're getting their opportunities because you're on the court. Like Kaminga plays twenty minutes a game, Moody's playing seventeen minutes a game. But when you're out there, like what are you doing to take y'all to the next level? Because these guys are supposed to be competing for starting spots. Honestly, um, when Draymond is out, Kaminga should be starting. If Clay or Wiggins is missing time, Moody should be starting. And I don't think it's that simple um, because they're. They clearly, by the numbers, are still inconsistent. Um, so, and I get it that people like these young players and Golden State have had their down years, but they still playing for championships. So you're not about to just give somebody an unlimited leash when you're being inconsistent. And you have to at least be consistent at some area. So if you're being – being inconsistent offensively, but that affects how you rebound and the effort you're going to give defensively, um, just the effort you're going to give on the court with playing hard. Because I honestly would think if they were doing those things on another level, it's minutes for them to be getting, and they would have them. But they still show those inconsistencies where it's like, I'm not just leaving him on the court. No, you don't just get that just because you was a high pick. We drafted Wiseman at the top, and he got, he out of there. So, you know. That, that don't yeah, really matter. Yeah. Right. So, I don't think they're doing nothing to stand out. Like, they're, being, they're, no, they're, playing, right. they're playing okay on a team that needs them to take it to another level. Like, that's absolutely fair. I like, didn't realize that Kaminga was shooting 38%. I didn't either because but I feel 38% like, is terrible especially from the field, for, for not, the from, style, not from for, three. Especially for his style. Like, he's a right. attacker. He's a slasher. I, 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 just fit, I just wanted to know because I feel like people, when they talk about them on NBA Twitter, Kaminga specifically because I feel like that's – they feel like he just deserves to be on the court. But nobody in the NBA deserves to be on the court unless they're, especially not your first couple of years. Like, if you're not showing it, you're not showing it. I don't care. Like, that's just how I feel about it because we've all played organized basketball. We all had a friend or a teammate who 
Y'all love getting on Skip Bayless about how he said his coach unfairly benched him for no reason. Y'all do the same thing with young NBA players. When y'all not in those locker rooms, y'all not in practice with them. But I just wanted to know how you felt about because I feel like a lot of people. Kaminga plays at the rim and he's shooting 38%. Because I feel like people have been talking about Jonathan Kaminga this year. Like, he is. I'm not going to say he hasn't taken a step, but it's like his development is finally over. And that's how people. I feel like that's how NBA Twitter is talking about him right now. If he took that step, when Draymond is out, he'd be starting. No, nah, for sure. But other than that, you got anything else for this episode? We was on the Clippers for a minute. That's all right about that, y'all. Nah, just other than that, just uh, as always, appreciate the supporters. You know you can find us anywhere. Podcasts are available. Just search the Hoopers Pod. Make sure you do your Googles. Um, shout out to the Off the Ball Network. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Hoopers at Hoopers Pod. New name on on Instagram. We're gonna get more active on there. The Hoopers Pod on there. Make sure you follow on the YouTube, the Hoopers Pod. Got some stuff coming up on there also. So, uh, you know, that's all. Got got a lot of dope stuff coming up really soon. But other than that, we're back in the action 10 games into the season. No, for sure. And with that being said, I'm John W. Fresh X. And this was the Hoopers Pod.